Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, it's complicated. How many of you know relationships are complicated? I'm reading a book right now called The Hidden uh, Correlation Between Adrenaline and Stress. And I'm just trying to learn about what a biblical Sabbath looks like and what it looks like to really rest. And we can, we'll get on that later, maybe in the end of this year and next year. But I'm reading a book right now, and I just read a chapter that I was identifying the two most prominent causes for stress disease in people's lives. The average man in North America, over 70% of men, die more from stress disease than they do from any other disease. And so that's a big deal. So I'm like, oh gosh, I gotta figure this out. And there's only two things. I don't remember the other one, but I remember the first one, people. <laughs> people was the number one cause of stress in the lives of other people. And it's there's hidden adrenaline that when you've ever been in that conversation with somebody, let's just give you uh, kind of an example. You go to work on, uh, on Monday, and you had kind of a weird uh, uh, scheduling problem on Friday, and so you went to the job, and you got there, and it was the wrong house, and you're frustrated because you told the whole crew to go to that one house. I'm using uh, maybe uh, the uh, pro properties as an example or something like that, but you get there, and you're super frustrated because you got there, and your boss has done this 100 times, and so it's just you're frustrated. The guys are frustrated. Everyone's frustrated. Things are not good. You get the job done. Find the right place. Power through. Then you come Monday, and you're like, I'm going to talk to this boss you know when you walk in the room and you get that knot in your stomach this like that's called it's complicated <laughs> you just get like oh I really don't want to walk in the room and have a com confrontive moment with my boss because he pays my bills or maybe uh, it's for you it's that moment with your in-laws or your parents sorry you guys are here so and you just like you know like you just want to have that conversation it's just this stirring and does anyone know what I'm talking about just this like oh I don't want to have that confrontive moment or your 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 husband comes home and he's been working all day and you've been home with all the kids and you've been working and slaving and actually working a real job uh, taking care of children and cooking and cleaning and doing all these things and we come home and I'm just kidding we work jobs too but you come home and all you want to do is want 10 minutes to sit down on the couch and she says here take him and why don't you help me with dinner and go mop the bathroom and take out the garbage like I just got home and it's just that frustrating part this is not a marriage or venting moment I'm not like venting about my marriage but you know what I mean? It's just these complicated moments in relationships where a girl and a guy, they kind of like one another and they're not really sure what this is and is it more and it goes from really simple friendship to really complicated romantic and what does it mean and how do we figure this out and what boundaries do we set and how long should we go on this journey? It's just complicated or you're in a marriage and you just, things aren't going well and things are just not really clicking and it's just that issue where you go into this season where you're like, man, I don't know if I can live with this person the rest of my life and you start having those deep internal conversations of I know I shouldn't go that direction but I really might my, my flesh and my selfish nature really wants to go that direction it's just so stinking complicated every single movie and every single TV show that's written a drama how many have watched this is us I mean like oh my gosh like I just watched the first two minutes of that show and I'm like oh God, I love you dad you know I'm like my brother I'm like wanted to call my brother and seek reconciliation I'm calling my aunt and all the people I've hurt in life it's like every single time that show just causes us to see how complicated things are actually the first episode of the second season I counted I think they said the, the phrase it's complicated like seven times it's just complicated 
Relationships cause stress. Relationships cause problems. And today, I believe God's given me some thoughts that are going to, to help you, just like they're helping me. We're going to look at the scripture today that we looked at last week. I'm going to do just a, a two-minute little kind of uh, recap to kind of bring you back to where we were. We were in Genesis chapter uh, 2. Uh, verses 15 to 17. Uh, in this, the context of this verse is we just uh, are, are in a place where G Genesis chapter 1 was basically like an overview of creations, day, day 1 to day 7. And it's kind of like just a quick bullet point, like this is what happened. But Genesis chapter 2, Moses, the author of this book, thought it would be a good idea to kind of hone in a little bit more, step in a little bit further, and look at the, 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 the relationship of Adam and Eve and look at how God created them and give them them some some real clear instruction and we see in the scripture that uh that that God only actually spoke two things uh in this in this verse in this kind of section of verse two real mandates for uh Adam Adam had been created Eve had not been created yet and here God gave him a very very clear warning in this verse he identified two things and in this verse the first thing as I shared last week which I want to reiterate again because it's probably the most important thing that we will walk away with today um, everything else kind of is secondary to this one single thing in Genesis chapter 2 verse 15 to 17 it says the Lord God placed the man in the garden of Eden to tend and to watch over it but the Lord God warned Adam you may freely eat of the free the true you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil if you eat its fruit you will surely die. And so he went to the man and said, hey, listen, I want you to know something. I have given you everything that you need in this context of Eden. Eden is a picture of heaven. It's what heaven was supposed to be like. It's, it's a perfect union and relationship between God and man. There was no shame, no fear, no doubt. I've shared this many times, but just to reiterate the point, it's really the relationship that God originally intended for you and I to have. Christ came to restore that, that opportunity. And until we get into heaven, we won't experience the full reality realities of Eden. But in meantime, we can experience a relationship with Jesus Christ and begin to experience what God originally intended for us in Eden. And so in Eden was this perfect environment. And God said to him, here, I want to give you two things for your life that you need to understand. You can choose me if you choose everything I've given you. I've given you complete knowledge of God, complete knowledge of all these things. You have full understanding of all of the nuances and the realities of this world and all the intricacies of all the things that I've done. You you have full knowledge of me. You have full understanding of me. But I'm going to give you the choice, the free will to choose something else, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when you choose evil, there will be death in your life. So you have an option. You can choose me. You can choose life with me. You can choose everything that I have for you and the life I have for you. Or you can choose your own way, your desires, your wants. Go with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And I want you to know today that you will surely die. Two options. You choose. It's in your court. It's your decision. It's your choice. Now the reason God said this is because he wanted that to be the foundational truth and reality of every person on the planet. You cannot have great relationships. You cannot have a great fulfillment in life. You cannot experience everything that you want to experience outside of choosing God first. 
If we're in a season of life where maybe you've been choosing the tree, guess what? God is so gracious and faithful to forgive us of all of those things. He gives us an opportunity to come back into a relationship with him. The Bible says that we are being reconciled. That word reconciled means we're coming back into a relationship that we previously had. And so everyone in the room today, once at one point in their life, had a relationship with God, but we were born into a sinful nature, born into a sinful world. And so now we have the opportunity, God says, you choose. Listen, if you choose me, you're gonna have life. You're gonna have fulfillment. You're gonna have purpose. You're gonna have joy. You're gonna have everything that I've ever had for you. But if you choose the tree, you're gonna choose another knowledge that I don't need you to have, and it will surely lead to your death in your life. Now, it was spiritual death, that they experienced. And obviously, they were no longer able to live forever. They now had an expiration date on their life, and they eventually one day would leave the planet. Their mortal bodies would die. And so God said to them, listen, I'm just telling you clearly. I'm warning you. You have the choice. If you choose God, your life will go well. If you don't choose God, you'll have drama. It's complicated. And see, God wanted them to know that I'm giving you two options. The second thing God said, which is to our, our, our relationship series, Genesis 2.18 says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So here we have the picture of God creating Adam. He looks at Adam and says, Okay, the first thing is you need to always choose me first. Everything in your life will go well for you if you just choose God first. Secondly, you need to know something. I'm observing you and realizing something about you. And from this verse, I'm giving you four things. Last week, we touched on the first one and a little bit of the second one. Today, we're going to stay on the second one. And next week, we're going to go to the third and then next week, the fourth. The, second, the, the first one here is that God looked at Adam and thought to himself, you were not meant to be alone. It is actually not healthy for you. Now, this is interesting because you might be here today saying, well, I'm not alone. I have friends. I have people. Well, yeah, but a lot of times as North Americans, we have quite the space issue. You go to another country and they are up and you all bid ass. They are in it. Like they're just in it. And we're like, oh my gosh, get away from me. We have this weird like cushion in North America. And that cushion creates space for us to be in actual relationship with people. But we never actually are in relationship with people. We're around a lot of people. We're around our coworkers. We're in a marriage, but we're actually just roommates. We're in relationship with our friends. We're in relationship with people and we hang out, but there's never any vulnerability or openness or depth or furthering of one another. And so you're in relationship, but you're actually alone in life. And God looked at Adam, and after this verse, Adam, God then had Adam on a purpose. Go and name all the animals. This probably took him weeks to do, uh, I imagine. It was a lot of animals, and he named them all. And after he named them all, he had named all these animals. God looked at him again and said, gosh, I'm just observing you, realizing after all the work you've done, you've given yourself to your job, you've given yourself to these wonderful thousand cats that you just named, and you've given yourself to all these animals, and you're doing a really good job. And there was no indication in this scripture that Adam was dissatisfied with life. He was happy just working. He was happy just having animals. He had no idea that there was something more to life than what he originally had. And God looked at him and said, after all the work that you've done, I've recognized something about you. It is not healthy for you to do life alone. It's not good for you to do this alone. It's not good for you to put yourself just in your work and just into pets and just into these things. You need to have relationship with other people. So he says, it's just not healthy for you to be alone. 
The second thing we see here is that he says, I will make a helper. I will make. That word make, the second thought that I shared with you was that God wants to provide for you godly, healthy relationships. But here's the key. You have to let him. Last week we talked about this a little bit and we're going to spend the rest of our time on this thought. I'm going to give you some, 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 some things that I believe will reveal to me in the scripture. You, God wants to give you relationship. That word make there actually is the word squeeze. I was going to borrow my, my kids have been playing with this sand. Uh, you guys know that sand? It's like Play-Doh kinetic sand. And I love it, but it's like in the, all the grout of my tile. I mean, my son's put it in all the grout of the tile. I was going to bring that today, and I thought every time I squeeze it and put it down, it's going to just fall apart. And that would be a good picture of most of our relationships. God squeezes it and gives it to us, and then it falls apart. Um, but squeezing and this he squeezes and he makes and that actually would have been a really good analogy I probably should have just done that but <laughs> squeezes it and he makes it and he forms it and then what he does is he comes to you and he says okay in the season of life you're in right now I need to I need to give you this relationship this relationship is actually going to benefit your life. This relationship is going to probably sharpen your iron a little bit, going to challenge you a little bit. There's going to be some things we'll talk about in the next coming weeks of what these relationships are supposed to do for your life. But he wants to come to you and bring these relationships to you. And often as humans, our natural inclination is to say, no, I, I, I'm not. All these different reasons why we sabotage godly relationships. And there's all sorts of reasons why we do that. We actually see this happening in the scripture. We see here in the verse that in, in the next chapter, we see that there's a complication in their relationship. I shared a little bit of this last week and I'll share it again. Genesis chapter three, verse 11 to 13. Eve was told not, Adam and Eve were told not to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, the serpent came, the devil came and tricked Eve. Eve ate of the fruit. They realized they were naked. They ran from God. In their sin, it's always funny to me, it's very clear. They sinned, they, they fell short of God, and they ran. They hid in shame from God. Spent the rest of their lives living like this with God because they were sin in their life when all God wanted to do, he was actually looking for them. Where are you, son and daughter? I actually want to heal you and forgive you and redeem you, but never once did they think to ask for forgiveness. And they hid, and here they were, and finally God came to them and said, what's going on? Why are you wearing clothes? Well, we're naked. He goes, well, who told you you were naked? The Lord God asked on the screen, have you eaten fruit from the tree of, I warned you about? Yes, Adam admitted, but it was the woman you gave me who brought me some, and I ate it. And then the Lord God asked the woman, how could you do such a thing? And the serpent tricked me, she replied. This perfect relationship that God just unified as one is now having breakdown, complication. This relationship that God made Eve from Adam's rib. Now, if you're single here today, I have a great message coming up for you in a couple weeks. Hello, all the single people say, all the single ladies and men, whatever. <laughs> he took the rib of a man and he made it, he formed it into a woman. This woman was the closest, I mean, imagine that for a moment, looking at this woman and realizing that she just came out of my body. Like we are so unified as one. Things are going so great. And then shame and guilt rise up in their life. And the first thing they do is they begin to blame one another and Eve's blaming the devil and Adam's blaming his wife and all sorts of complications in the marriage. And this is where the first relational complication began to happen. 
This is where animosity and the complication of challenge came. God is confronting their decision. You chose the tree. You didn't choose me. Yeah, it was my wife's fault. She led me to do it. And I didn't want to buy that house or I didn't want to go that direction. And she made me. She made me have that kid. She made me do these things. She made me drink all that alcohol. She forced me. She did it all. It's her fault. She's thinking, well, yeah, I'm not going to blame my husband. I'm just going to blame the devil. I don't take ownership for me. I'm just blaming the devil. It's all the devil. My bad hair date, the devil. Everything's the devil. Parking lot, the devil. Everything's the devil. Devil, 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 devil. Everyone's the devil. Not my husband, the devil, devil, devil. Blaming everybody else. This is where complication started, where the enemy knew that if I can just get these two to isolate themselves, even though they're in relationship, they're isolated. And that's where the complication began. I want to share a thought with you for a moment that I just hit me and I just want to encourage you with it. Listen, the longer you serve Jesus, the longer you have a pattern in your life of, of serving God. It's a hard journey, guys. It's difficult. It is. That's why there's a church, and that's why there's relationship with people, and that's why we're on this journey together to try to become all that God wants us to become. But in the beginning journeys of following God, it's, it's a challenge because there's things that you're trying to figure out. But the longer you serve God, I've been serving God for a long time now, and I want to just say something to you, that the longer you serve God, the less relational drama you have. Most of the people who have lots of relational drama in their life, it speaks to this very thing that happened right in the garden. Ever had that friend that you always hang out with where every time you sit down, they're always talking about all the drama? They got their drama, you know, oh, Billy just like, you know, this to me the other day and I thought he loved me, but now he doesn't love me like that girl. He's texting that girl now and he loves me. Well, John, Jan, well, man, she came over the other day and she was high as a kite. She came over and drama, 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 drama. The longer you serve God, for those in the room who've been serving God for a real long time, I imagine can attest to this reality. The drama just starts to subside because God begins to change your heart. He begins to change how you think. He begins to change how you respond. He begins to change your motivation. He begins to change who and how you function in life. He begins to change you as a person and your drama begins to go away. I want to say this as clearly as possible. And I don't, I want to say it like I want to say it. So if it's a little bit of a zinger, just uh, know I love you. <laughs> when drama is present, sin is not far behind. When drama is present, it comes from ch the choice of the tree. Because when we choose God, there is perfect unity in relationship. When we choose God, we have wisdom to figure it out. When we choose God, we have wisdom to respond properly. When we are choosing the tree, it just causes selfish reactions, selfish perspectives, selfish ideas, selfish desires. When you're living for the tree, drama is the result. And see, what God wants to do in your life is he wants to help you recognize where there's drama in your life. If there's drama, identify. If there's drama, sin is not far behind. Selfish ambition is not far behind. And did you know the scripture actually says this in James chapter 3, 16? It says, wherever jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, you will also find many troubles and every kind of meanness. So when your husband starts treating you terrible, 
and you start thinking that he's just the, the scum of the planet, recognize there's probably something going on in his life. My wife does this. We've been on a long journey towards me being a, a, a pure man of God in my own life. And a long time ago, my wife would always ask, whenever we got in a fight, she'd say, how are you doing in the area of purity? I'd have to look my wife in the eye and we'd have to have a big, really hard conversation because most of the time, when my wife's the most even-killed, steady Eddie girl on the planet. So I'm the one causing drama in our relationship. That's for show. <laughs> Those of you who know me, <laughs> like, yeah, that's right. Whenever there was a problem, and she does her own part, but whenever we have a problem in that way, or whenever my friend, something's going on, like, why are you treat me like that? What's going on? I recognize, oh my gosh, okay. Now, firstly, is it, am I choosing the tree? Am I choosing the tree over this person? Am I choosing the tree over God? Am I thinking about my own ambition? Am I thinking of my own selfish nature? Is my own selfishness involved here? If not, then he's, okay, well, maybe it's them, and I need to give them a little bit of grace because I tend to do the same thing all the time anyway, so let's have some unity and let's work it out. Whenever you choose the tree, jealousy and selfishness are uncovered, and what follows is, is you'll have many troubles, many drama, <laughs> many troubles, and every kind of meanness. So now we know where your drama comes from. Now we know where this complication comes from. Now we can identify with your boyfriend who you've been dating for a year. Why won't he propose to me? Why? Like, I don't understand. Why won't he? Why, why can't we get married? There's something there that needs to be uncovered, and it comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, choosing Jesus over the tree. Yeah. And see, in this drama... I realized something about this, this, this drama in my own life. I realized that it's, it's, it's something that is continual and it's something that impacts every relationship. And I just got to be honest with you, sometimes I just want to choose the tree because <laughs> it's easier to choose the tree. How many of you say, hey, that's me. I choose the tree all day. It's harder to lay down my interests and trust that when this person's treating me terrible, the Bible says to treat them as I would like to be treated. Look at the scripture in Matthew, <laughs> verse 21, 23. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. God, Peter stands in front of Jesus and says, Jesus, come on now. Like, you're not going to die, man. Like, that's not the agenda. The reason Peter was saying that, because Peter's mind thought that Jesus was going to restore a natural kingdom and that he had a political role to play at the right hand of Jesus. His reprimand did not come from the mind of God. His reprimand came from his own selfish agenda. Look what Jesus says to him. He turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Hello. You're our dangerous trap for me. Can you imagine saying that to somebody you're having an argument with? Get away from me, Satan. <laughs> I tried it before. I got slapped. <laughs> By my wife! <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not God's. So if anyone had a complicated relationship, it was Peter to think that he, the audacity to walk to God himself and say, sorry, you got it all wrong, brother. Like, you, you're missing it here. You don't have the right mind of God. He's saying, no, actually, you're just choosing the tree right now. I want to give you some things that, that I think may help you on why 
there's complication in your relationship. Maybe it will help you identify maybe the whys behind some of these choices for the tree rather than God. And I want to give you maybe, maybe six or seven, and I'll go quick through them. But I want to give you just some thoughts here. The first one is one of the reasons that there are, the, the, really this is the fruit of the tree that we choose, the fruit of the tree. Some of the fruits of the tree is that, is that one of the reasons we, we uh, have complications on our relationship is because we feel badly about our own drama, so we project that onto our relationships. Sometimes in our life, we've got so much stuff going on in our lives that we simply project it onto the other person. And this is most cases, the reality, like I mentioned earlier, my wife and I are doing good. I've got some stuff going on in my own life. And so I'm projecting anger and frustration and lack of communication. Really, I got drama going on in my own life and I want to project it onto her. This is where a lot of our complication comes from. So next time, husband, you're angry or frustrated, check the fact that maybe you're dissatisfied in your job and it's not your wife's fault. A lot of men are dissatisfied with life. A lot of men are dissatisfied with where they're at. So instead of lavishing the love of God on them, on their wives, they're frustrated at their life and they take it out on their wife. Relationships are the same way. Friendships are the same way. This is one of the ways to identify and stop yourself and say, is the drama that we're experiencing coming because I'm actually projecting onto them? The second thought here this morning is that Maybe you have some unresolved family issues. This is pretty obvious, but a lot of times when you have an a, 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 a improper relationship with someone when you're growing up, maybe with your father or your mother, often what we will do is we will either find ourselves dating someone or in friendship with people who are actually much like our abusive parent. It, so, uh, statistics show, psychology studies show that often when you come from an abusive relationship, you actually find it very difficult to get out of that environment. And so you actually create relationships that is very similar to you because you feel safe there, even though you're not safe at all. And so maybe there's some issues in your life. Maybe you've got some, some father issues where your dad didn't affirm you or didn't love you. Maybe it was big, maybe it was small. Maybe your mom rejected you when you were little or maybe you come from a home where there's just lots of drama. Whatever it might be, you might be experiencing some of the complications in your life. And if you ever do premarital counseling with us, hello, watch out now. I'm gonna ask you the question. Let's go back and look at your family relationships. Let's look at your mom and dad. Let's look at those things. And a lot of people say, don't you go there. <laughs> oh, okay. A lot of times, our complications in our relationships comes from the fact that we were, were not trained well in how to have relationship because our families taught us incorrectly. So your family issues. How about the third one? You want your relationship to fix you. A lot of times, you've got areas in your life where you aren't doing well, and so you actually get into a relationship in hopes that they will be your savior. And so you get into relationships and you, you get into a friendship, you choose a friend because you're hoping that they can actually fix the areas inside of you. And instead of you fixing your area, instead of you having a relationship with God, instead of you leaning into God's presence, instead of you leaning into God's word, you find a relationship with someone else who is strong in that area who can lead you along. And the problem is, is that there's a codependency on that person that is absolutely unhealthy for your walk with God. Jesus needs to be your savior, than you to make your feel better. 
You feel badly about your relationship with God or you feel badly about your drama or your situation or your issue or you've got an area in your life you want to fix and you maybe don't have the structure or framework in your life to, to, to begin to fix it and work through it. So you go choose people who your level is here of life and you choose people that are down here because it makes you feel better about the areas of weakness in your life. The only person that can fix us is Jesus. <laughs> but we have relationships that are sharpening one another. And then when you get into a relationship with someone, really ask yourself, if you're gonna invest yourself into this friendship, if you're gonna invest yourself into this person if you're dating, don't invest yourself into someone who you can save or you want to save you. Leave that to Jesus. It's called missionary dating. <laughs> Which you can do, whatever. Some people have missionary dated and it's worked out. I did, my wife was just a sinner, it was terrible. <laughs> Number four, our disappointments or losses in life cause us to stay in unhealthy relationships because we have a false hope for them. This is huge. How many of us have gotten into a relationship with a friend or maybe even a girlfriend or a boyfriend and they are or maybe even a marriage and they're absolutely abusive, but you've had so much loss in your life that you'd rather not experience the grief of another relational loss. You stay in the relationship in hopes that it's just gonna get better. If you're in the room today and you have a marriage partnership and one of the marriage partnership is abusive physically, uh, sexually, or, or, or abusive in any way like that, you need to get help today. That relationship is not healthy for you. God can restore it through counseling, through partnership, through prayer. Don't be so worried about the separation of that marriage. Now, I don't encourage anyone to get separated nor divorced. I believe God wants us to stay in marriage relationships. But let me say this. If your fear of losing that relationship is more important to you than, than, uh, than, uh, than being hurt by that person, there needs to be counseling and help. Don't stay in a relationship that's harmful for you for fear that you're going to lose that relationship. God is a God of reconciliation. If both parties are willing to come humbly before the throne of God and own their stuff and realize the complication and drama might come from me and accept the fact that my job in this relationship is to serve my wife in love. If you come at that vantage point, God can transform your marriage and you won't have to get divorced. God is so faithful. I've seen it time and time again. He can heal your marriage. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. God is all about restoration. He's all about bringing hope to those who are broken. But if you're in an unhealthy relationship today, man, I got a lot of friends in my life who I didn't have a lot of friends and I was worried about break. I didn't want to lose that friendship. So I stayed in the unhealthy relationship because I had so much loss in my life from friends that I didn't want to miss out on this relationship. That's not a healthy situation and you need to get out. Blast the next one. We have an undeveloped intimacy. Maybe today and you moved a lot. Maybe your parents didn't engage with others and so nor did you or maybe you went from church to church to church you went from city to city to city or business to business to business you create shallow relationships and so all you do is create all these shallow relationships and when someone tries to go deep you ridicule them or you say oh I don't go there oh man we're just trying to hang out bro we're just watching a movie man let's not go deep I'm a deep guy you don't want to hang out with me if you don't want to go deep sitting next to him like how's your life <laughs> How's your walk with God? You know, I'm a little intense, but many of us create shallow relationships. And in the body of Christ, in the kingdom of God, God wants to break that, sh that shatter, that mindset that you can't be vulnerable with others. People, you maybe have experienced rejection. In the body of Christ, we're not supposed to experience rejection. We're supposed to experience love. The next one here, 
This is a huge one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> we put unhealthy expectations on relationships. And the reason we do this is because we've been hurt in the past. This is where a lot of marriages struggle. This is where a lot of friendships struggle. This is where, where a lot of dating relationships break down. You have been hurt in your, in your life. You've been hurt by a mom. You've been hurt by a dad. You've been hurt by a boyfriend, hurt by a girlfriend. You've been hurt by someone in your life. So what you do is, is you project onto them the perfect idealization of what they should be. And when they fall short, you hold it against them. I have a rule in my relationships and I tell these people all the time, listen, you're my friend and if I don't see you for two years and you see me again, you're going to feel like we've been best friends all, all along. I don't have expectations on you that are not godly and you shouldn't put expectations on me that are not godly. You need to understand what the godly expectations, we'll talk about in two weeks, godly expectations for relationship because what we're doing is we don't want to get hurt again so we create this high expectation on relationship and then when they don't fulfill the things we want them to fulfill, we experience pain and we think God doesn't love us and this person doesn't love us and what's wrong with me and why can't I have good relationship and why can't it stay consistent and what's going on? You might need to look at your expectations and maybe they're from a place of pain not from a place of health ungodly expectations putting expectations on people don't let people be what only God can be for you the last one here this morning and I just want to tell a story and we'll, we'll pray is that you don't think you deserve it so you sabotage it God tries to bring a relationship, a godly, healthy man or woman into your life. And you don't think you deserve it. You don't think that you have the right to have a great relationship because you've screwed up so many relationships in the past. Maybe your marriage, you've experienced such hardship. And so you don't think you deserve it. There's a story, I read a blog, I forgot his name. This guy was saying, I think his name is Chris. And he said that he... Uh, went through a season of his life where him and his wife went through tremendous debt. They owned all these businesses and their businesses fell apart. Everything went, went, uh, went bankrupt and they were $1.5 million in debt. And he said that he was in a really hard season of being in debt, losing all of his businesses. And one day, a man came up to him at church and gave him a $30,000 check. He said, the Lord spoke to me and said, I need to give this to you. He didn't know his situation. He gave it to him and he took it he cashed it right away, trust me. He went to the bank, cashed that check, and then he said, I noticed something. Every time I saw that guy at church, one time we were, happened to be in the restroom at the same time, and man, I just got my business done and washed my hands. I didn't even wash them. I just ran out of the bathroom as quickly as I could. I began avoiding this person, and I began to find myself in a place where wherever he was, if he sat in church there, I sat over here. He'd call me, hey, can we get coffee? I'd say, oh, I'm kind of busy. He began to sabotage the relationship, and he began to realize there was a problem. And one night, he's laying in bed, and he's praying, saying, God, I don't understand what's going on. Why do I feel this way? And in the story, whether you think this is a reality or not, he said to him, and said, Jesus said to him, do you really want to know the answer? <laughs> yeah, I do. He said, you don't think you're worth $30,000. You've received lots of $1,000 gifts in your life from different people, and you'll gladly take those with joy and say, thank be to God. But you have a price tag on what you're worth. See, many of us in this room have this internal narrative about what we're worth. 
Some of us in this room have this incredible confidence in ourselves and we're worth it all and this is awesome and God bless you. But most people in the room have this narrative in their mind that the things that happen in my life that are good, I just don't deserve it. I got so much sin in my life. And man, I, 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 I've been lying to my, my, my friends or my wife for so long. Or Man, I've been spending my money on terrible things. Or Man, I've been investing my, my physical body or my finances or my life. I just got so much junk in my life. Why would God ever want to bless me in this way? And so what you do and I do is that when God brings this relationship into your life that is just a blessing, you sabotage it. Because you don't think you're worth it. When a person comes into your life and is a godly person and wants to bless you and speak into you and be around you, you need to understand something. That is God's way of sending you a gift. He puts this gift in your life. He puts it in your heart and he squeezed it and he made it and he formed it and he brought it to you. And he said, okay, this is for your life. This is to better you. This is to help you. This is to shape you. This is to make you. He wants you to, he's sending you a message. Every time someone comes into your life and they're better at life than you and they're, 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 they're more spiritual than you are and read their Bible more than you do and they're a better person than you. God places them in your life. Understand it's God's way of communicating to you. I love you. I care for you so much that I caused this random person to meet you at that random coffee shop. You just happened to choose that Starbucks on that day and you walk in and you're standing in line and you say, hey, how you doing? I'm doing good. Here's a complicated card. Oh, I already got one. I go to a really great church. Oh, really? Tell me about that. Okay, back up, back up, back up. Oh, wow, this person's really awesome. Oh, you're really awesome. Hey, can I get your number? Let's hang out. Let's hang out. You hang out. Also, you better, your best friends in that season, you needed that exact thing. This has happened to me more and more times than I can admit. And every single time, I sabotage it. They ask me out. I say, oh, no, no, no I'm kind of busy because I feel so unworthy. And this year was the year of saying yes. I found myself across North America with some of the most successful people in my field than I ever could have imagined, all because I just said, okay, God, I'm just going to receive your blessing. Sitting in a car with a guy who started a, a large church planting organization, had run as a church of 25,000 people, sitting in front of a guy who's a teaching pastor at one of the largest churches in North America. I'm like, how am I sitting in front of these people? And God just said, son, I just love you. I know you're a screw-up, son. Don't you think I know that? I want to bless you. I love you. This relationship's actually going to help you. God loves you. He wants to bless you. He wants to put you in seats next to people. He wants to bless your life. He wants to give you people. He wants to give you men and women in your life that are going to encourage you and strengthen you and push you forward. That's what God wants to do. Stop sabotaging it. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, let me pray for you this morning. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes? The reason we do that, I just think it's good for distraction's sake. Center our thinking here for a moment. A few moments. Come on, I want to pray for two people. I do this every week. The first person I want to pray for in the room is those in the room who are followers of Christ that just have been doing what I just shared. They've been sabotaging their relationships. They just don't think they're worth it. You're in the room today and you say, you know what, Ryan, I've, I've kind of been in this season of my life where I have not been able to just accept the fact that God loves me and that he wants to bless me and I've just had too many 
problems in my life. Come on, if you're a follower of Jesus here today and you say, Ryan, come on, that's... That spoke to me today. Would you just place your hand in the air? Come on, every eye closed. Place your hand in the air. I won't call you forward. I just want to see if I'm praying for anybody today. You say, Ryan, that really spoke to me today. That's me. Come on, I want to. I want prayer today. Okay, fantastic. Come on, several hands throughout the room today. Second thing today, if you're in the room and you say, Ryan, I do not have a relationship with Jesus. I came here today and I don't know God. I, I, I'm far. From, I'm far from Him. I don't know Him. I, maybe you don't go to church or. Maybe you did it one time and, and you want to come back. You want to take a step towards God today. You want to take a step towards a relationship with Jesus. But if you're here today and you'd like to commit your life to the Lord and commit your life to Christ, would you place your hand in the air? I'm not going to pull you forward. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want to give you the opportunity. I'm just going to pray with you. Come on, anybody in the room today say, Ryan, I'd like to give my life to Jesus today. Okay, come on, let's pray today. Father, I pray right now for this first group of people. Lord, I pray for all the hands that went across this room. And God, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ right now that, Father, that you would begin to send those people back in their life. Lord, they may have rejected them. They may have felt unworthy. They may have not leaned into it. But today, oh God, I pray that you would cause these people to come back into their life and they would know that this is a message from God that he just loves me so much. I pray for every complicated relationship in this room. I pray for every marriage that's on the rocks. I pray for every friendship that's been broken and every, every dating couple, God, who is seeking wisdom. I pray right now, God, that you would cause the drama to go away and that they would choose you, God, in their relationships. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.